Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And I'm super excited to talk with our guest today, Julia Pimsler is going to be our guest today. She is the founder and chief empowerista, I love it, of Million Dollar Women, which is a social venture based in New York, helping one million women reach one million in revenue, which is absolutely amazing. She's the author of the best-selling book, Million Dollar Women, and the essential guide for female entrepreneurs who want to go big. And by the way, it's on Audible. And she's the host of the podcast, Million Dollar Mind. So be sure that you go over and subscribe to that. And she interviews successful entrepreneurs and leaders about the mindset shifts they made to become who they are today. It's all about mindset, right? Ladies, for those of you who, listening, who are listening, who are ladies. So Julia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here, Angela. Yay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Before we jump off into all the goods, how, give give us some, some uh, foundation of like your background and did you always know that you wanted to be in this role? Like what do you want to be when you grow up? So take us back to that time. Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GST leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's podcast is brought to you by BombBomb. You can quickly and easily send video emails to stand out in your audience's inbox. There's no faster way to record yourself and or your screen. You can set up email campaigns and track for timely, relevant follow-up. BombBomb makes it super easy to build relationships through email, text, and social media with one goal, humanize the planet. Give it a try, bit.ly slash APBombBomb. Oh, you know, when I was growing up, I think I wanted to be a writer was the first thing I wanted to be until I found out that meant you had to sit in a room by yourself for many hours a day. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that's not going to work. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've always been an extrovert. Um, but I also, I grew up in New York City. I'm a New York City girl, as you can tell from how fast I talk. I'll try to <laughs> slow it down a little bit. I love it. <laughs> But um, I went to a school that I think was very formative, which is called the Ethical Culture School. And it was based on this philosophy around 
giving back to society, doing good. And a lot of the people who came out of this school went on to work in nonprofit, join boards, lead social change movements. So I do think some of what I ended up doing, you know, as chief empowerista, probably started right there in that early schooling. That is so awesome. And so just, I mean, you've done so many amazing things like in your career, you've got a podcast, you've got a book, like what actually inspired you to share some of these stories, like through writing a book and through hosting a podcast? Uh, pain, yeah. <laughs> right? The pain I went through as an entrepreneur, the sleepless nights, the feeling like I don't know who to turn to. I don't know how to figure this out. Am I smart enough? What if I don't figure it out and I can't pay the rent and I don't know how to support my kids and write all that pain, all that fear. Once I, I did break through with my business and figure out how to run it and make it sustainable and grow it and all that good stuff, I was like, I wish someone had just shown me how to do this. And that is really what motivated me to write Million Dollar Women. I was still running my company when I wrote it. I, I ran a language teaching company for nine years called Little Pim. And for all the moms out there, you, if you have young children, you might have seen it. It's a little panda bear character, and he helps young children learn a second language at the age they learn best, which is zero to six. So French, Chinese, Spanish, Italian, we had 13 languages, Angela. That's amazing. Yeah, that was the biz. And you raised over... What I raised six million for that business, and I had been a fundraiser before that, so I'd raised 20 million for that. Uh, but where I was going with this is that when I kind of got to the place where I'd stabilized my business, we got over a million, we had the venture capitalists, I had a board, you know, a great team. That was when I started thinking about, okay, how can I make this easier for other women? Because it sure wasn't easy for me. And I know you and I are on the same page about that, right? <laughs> There's nothing oh easy. Yes. <laughs> is. And, and, you know, the other thing, Angela, I don't know about you, but I feel like we're socialized with all the wrong messages. Like we're taught from an early age just work harder. Just, you know, you do more. And the truth is, if you start hanging around with successful people, you realize that is not at all the answer. The answer is to find people who are smarter than you and learn from them and do what they did, get the right strategies, right? Delegate, build teams. You know, the CEO of Walmart is not like putting in longer hours, right? That's uh -huh. not why Walmart yeah. is a multi-billion dollar company. So I did feel kind of very called to help women think differently about how to scale up their businesses, sometimes raising capital, which not a lot of women do, but not always, but mainly just getting into what I like to call the go big mindset, which is this, you know, I can do this, I'm going for it, people just like me have made it happen, and I'm going to make it happen too. And that's what drove me to, to write the book. That's awesome. And I know, like you, like you even mentioned a few moments ago, like there's so many unique challenges that as a woman and trying to scale a business, which if we have new business owners listening, what is your definition? Because it's funny, I'll ask different women, like, what's your definition of scaling your business? Like, what would you say to like the new people out there? Any feedback on that? Yeah, I think not enough women are asking the question early on of their business of what is the scalable part of this business? Now, maybe the whole business is scalable, 
especially if it has a tech element, right? That can often make it very scalable. Let's say if you're selling products online or I had a woman with a beauty company, um, so she was selling makeup, but then she also developed this app to help women figure out what was the right skin tone color for themselves using the app. And so that part was very scalable, right? You can raise money around that. And I do see a lot of the women in our Million Dollar Women community, no one's ever asked them to think about that. Right. right? What is the scalable part of your business? It's not always the whole business, but some part of it. So that's something that's worth thinking about early on and, you know, seeking out mentors or coaches or whoever you can get your hands on who is, knows how to talk about that question. And for anybody who's listening for the first time and wondering, I'm not even exactly sure what scalable means, you know, scalable is really just that you've created a company where the resources that you're putting into it and the amount of staff and, you know, if you have a product inventory and all that, as you grow, you don't have to add more staff, more products and services to get to those high revenue numbers. That with, for instance, my company, Little Pim, the multimedia language teaching company I built, the reason I didn't open up language schools is that I didn't think that was very scalable. Although to admit, I did not know that word at the time. So if anybody is not using the word scalable yet, I didn't know the word when I started my first business. In fact, it was so long ago, Angela, I don't think I even called myself an entrepreneur. <laughs> I don't think people were even saying that. We're talking like 14 years ago when I started my first business, this little PIM. But what I do remember thinking is, even though I didn't know the term, was I will work my butt off for a couple of years and then I just want this thing to grow without me having to you know, put in those super long hours. And that's when I decided to build a multimedia company because we raised the money, we created this video series, and then we could sell it all over the world. And it could be seen on any screen, any size, anywhere. Television, computers, laptops, uh, you know, smartphones. We made deals with PBS, we made deals with LeapFrog, with Hulu, um, you know, every possible carrier. And that was very scalable in a way that building schools was not because every time you build a new school, well, you've got new real estate costs, you've got staff, you've got to put in the school, then they leave, then you've got to hire somebody new, there's turnover costs. So those are the types of questions that women need to be asking more often, right? Is like, is there another way of doing this business that's just way more scalable than how I've conceived it now? So how did you learn all of this? Like, did you have a mentor? Like, I know your father was a filmmaker and... It sounds like an entrepreneur as yeah, well. Yeah, I have kind of a funny background because my father developed a language teaching method that's uh, like the second best-selling language teaching method out there. You've heard of Rosetta Stone, I imagine? Yeah. So this is like the competitor to Rosetta Stone. It's an okay. audio-only method and lots of people have used it and it's great. But interestingly, he developed that and he was like an academic. He was a romance language professor. And then very sadly, when I was really young, eight, he died of a heart attack, like super suddenly. Oh, wow. Yeah, totally changed the course of my life. So I was raised by a single mom here in New York. Um, I was the kid on scholarship. And yet many, many years later, that same method was taken over by a major publishing company and is now a multi-million dollar company. So it's kind of this funny thing where people always think like, oh, you've got this legacy, right? You must have grown up with a silver spoon, but not mm -hmm. at all. I've been working since I was 13. And, you know, I figured it out because I had to, right? Um, yeah. I got married to someone who was not on Wall Street. You know, I'm here in New York, but yeah. he was, uh, you know, working for a nonprofit and I had my little startup 
and I had to figure it out. So that's, those are actually the women I like to work with the most are women where like, there's a lot at stake because this stuff's hard as we were saying, and you're not, I find that most women aren't going to put in the time and the mental energy and sometimes the resources, the investment it takes, right. To hire a coach or join a program to -hmm. figure it out unless there's really something at stake. Right. Why, like, why do you think that there's so few, I believe it's, I mean, the statistics say like 3% of women entrepreneurs are even getting a million in revenue. Like what do you think it's like, they don't have the resources, they don't know where to go. Like what is keeping women from like going big? Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned mindset early on in the podcast and from having written this book and toured all over the country, talking to rooms of women, you know, a hundred to a thousand, I always asked, you know, what do you think is the hardest part? Of scaling up because I wanted the answer to that question too. And I, you know, in researching my book and I interviewed uh, seven women from across the country who built multi-million dollar businesses from scratch and told their stories in the book. So that's part of the book. It's my personal story, Growing Little Pim, and then these interviews with the women. And we all agreed, all these women who built multi-million dollar businesses from scratch, that you really just need three things to go big. Do you want to hear what the three things are? Tell me. (laughs) All right. It's not that hard. You need the right mindset. You need the right skill set. And you need the right network. And that is what every woman who I interviewed and even all the women I've met since, we all agree that's all you need. I mean, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? (laughs) That, That little list. Right. But when I ask these women in these rooms of 100 to 1,000, you know, of those three, mindset, skill set, and network, which one do you think is the hardest? And I got to tell you, Angela, it was all hands up for mindset in almost every way. So that really told me something, right? That it's not that we're, and we know this as women, right? It's not that we're not smart. It's not that we're not capable. It's not that we're not driven. Sometimes we're more smart and capable and driven than the guys around us, right? It's that we get in our own way. It's really that right? It's the overthinking. It's the lack of confidence. And, you know, let's not beat ourselves up. We were socialized to think this way, right? There's nothing wrong with us. We're just, the society has not yet evolved to the place where little girls and little boys and little anybody in between, right, is getting the same messaging. We're just not. So we have to do that extra work. If we want to go big, we have to unpack what we learned and unlearn some of it. And funny enough, after I wrote the book, I decided to become a mindset coach in addition to doing the coaching business work because I realized that's what women need. So I got trained as a master practitioner in NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, which is a rapid change belief system. Sorry, let me say that again. It's a, <laughs> NLP, it's not a rapid change belief system. NLP is a system for rapidly changing people's belief systems, which is what it. we really need to do with women. Have you heard of that, NLP? I haven't heard of it. Um, Have you heard of cognitive behavioral therapy, like CBT? Yes. Yes. It's kind of like that. It's like, I call it like therapy for impatient people. (laughs) I need that. I'm so impatient. We're all entrepreneurs. We're impatient. We can't do 20 years of therapy and like hope it works, right? (laughs) No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is a method. It's what Tony Robbins is trained in. It's what the Obamas were trained in. Many Olympic coaches use it with their athletes. It's it's kind of that, you know, high achievers secret method, not so secret anymore. Yeah. It's just so interesting because back when I started a business, which was a complete accident, and I did get a mentor through SCORE, but 
it's all, it is all about surrounding yourself with the right people who can share the mindset with you. And in the beginning, you know, he's like, you've got to do this and this and this and this. And like, I didn't really get it. I really didn't understand. And at the time I had a really good job in healthcare. So I was like, Oh, I'm just going to do this wedding thing for fun. And then 10 years goes by and then it is my full-time business. But then I, you know, I've been in all types of groups and CEO groups and have access to great education. And a speaker said once, do you have a job where you're just self-employed or do you actually have a business? Meaning can the business run without you? And that's what oh, woke yeah, me the hell question. up. Yes, right? <laughs> exactly. Is the business just a job you created for yourself yep. or is this like a company? Yep. And yeah. so that's where, for me, that's that little story sentence. I'm like, holy shit, like I have a freaking job because without my name on these events that we're creating, because we use psychology and technology, which was my background, and I'm not teaching these other girls and these other people that are interning with me and then staying on with my company. If I don't remove myself, I'm going to be in big trouble because I can't work 23 hour days on my feet without eating and peeing forever. Like, you just <laughs> can't do that. Well, and you know, also we're all just human beings, right? You could get sick, you could have a family yeah. emergency. Like, why would you set yourself up to be that vulnerable and yet so many women do yeah and so what is something and you know early on I don't even know when I was 20 if he would have said like hey you really need to think about this but what's the first step for people who you know they wake up and realize like oh shit I do have a job like how do you back out of that (laughs) right yes exactly well the first thing is I do tell women not to name their companies their name Right. I know it's very tempting. I had a coaching client. We'll call her um, Emily Balin. There we go. So Emily Balin had Emily Balin Company, and we did a six-month coaching together, and we renamed her company to have just like an inspiring name. She was working with uh, digital marketing. And what that allowed her to do was hire a really great team to sit just under her And then when the new clients came on, she would introduce them to the great team and the team would do the work and people stopped asking for her. Because if you're going to hire Emily Balin and company, you're going to want Emily Balin to show up, right? Whereas if you've hired the, you know, good, good food company, well, you just want good food, right? Right. And the CEO doesn't have to be the one to deliver it. In fact, it'd be weird if she was. So that's such a big, big tip that, um, that not everybody follows. And you can change the name of your company. Look, you change the name of your podcast, right? People can change the names of their companies when yep. they have this kind of wake up call. Yep. So I'm on name number five. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I love it. So when I, you know, when I first started, it was just like, oh, I'm going to say Elegant Weddings by Angela. And that was my first URL. And that's what it said, you know, down at the courthouse. Then people were like, oh, but can you do my events or do you just do weddings? And I'm like, well, of course I can do events. Like it's the same strategy. skills, sure. Yeah. It's just a little bit different. And so then I started a different company called Events by AP. Well, that created massive confusion in the marketplace because at the time that I had both of those businesses, I also had a job in healthcare. And so what was happening is some of the physicians' kids were starting to get married and then they would be looking for someone online to do their open houses at for Christmas and 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 then songwriters were doing number one parties and they were just super confused. And so I started to have some doctors at the hospital that I worked with, they're like, 
are you the same? Are you the wedding girl? And you do events and you work at the hospital? Like <laughs> it was just, it was a, a freaking mess. Like and branding back then, you know, it's like social media didn't exist. So like, so what'd you do? I didn't know anything about branding. So then like when social media came out, I hired someone to help like an actual branding manager is what he called himself. I met him at Dave Ramsey years ago. And he's like, you know, I think that it's okay that it's your name because you've been doing this for so long. You grew up in the community and think of like Martha Stewart and think, you know, and I'm, and I just kind of listened to him. I was like, okay, well, we'll just put everything under one LLC. You know, that that's good. And then I joined this, this uh, group EO entrepreneur organization, which you're familiar with. Yeah. I was in that too. Yep. And they're like, oh, that's not good, Angela. Like, no, <laughs> no, no, don't do that. So then I went back and I'm like, what do we do? I went through this whole thing with my business group of, um, you know, what exactly do we do? And I'm like, we create experiences that are very vividly. So when people walk into a room, regardless if it's a wedding, a conference, whatever, we very much play off of the psychology because that's what I went to school for. And so then we renamed the company to Vivid Experiences. Then people thought it was a porn company. Oh, I'm stop. I'm not even oh, kidding. Oh, no, horrible. Yep. So then that we tried that for a few years and everybody was still asking for me. And I'm like, and again, I had to hire someone to help me rebrand again. And so that's where we changed everything. And it's like our ideal audience is not just weddingpreneurs. I don't even know who came up with wedpreneur, but I'm like, you're either a business owner or you're an entrepreneur or you're not. Like that's wedpreneur is not a thing. <laughs> no, it's not a thing. And so it really started to get under my skin. And so that's where this new consultant that we've been working with, just like what you're saying, like, so we decided to create a movement of people who it's, it's not about me. It's about the people who work in a network to get shit done. And I'm always saying like, we have a GSD day. We have been saying that for years. And so we, a few years ago, rebranded to GSD creative. And so basically we help entrepreneurs who want to get shit done. And I so love that. It, it's and that's so a perfect good. example, right? Of what you can yep. do to grow your business. If you move it away from just being about you, but yep. you know, you did ask if I, if something happened or I worked with someone to help me learn all this and scale yeah. up. And I, and I did because the first four years, to be honest, I just toiled away. I just worked those super long hours. I had two little kids at home. They were three mm. and six. And I would come home, give them dinner, let my husband put them to bed, get back on the computer, be up again at six in the morning. It was exhausting. And I got to a place where I didn't even really enjoy it anymore. It was like I was just, you know, feeding the fire. And that was when I thought about even selling the business. It was only four years in, but I was just so exhausted. And I reached out to a cousin of mine who had just sold his company for $400 million. <laughs> That went pretty well for him. Wow. wow. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? He probably knows a couple of things I don't know. Oh, yeah. And uh, he came in and looked at everything I was doing and, you know, my little tiny office with my two interns and, you know, one person on staff other than me. And he was like, yeah, you shouldn't sell this. You've built a really great platform here. Why don't you go out and raise venture capital? and scale it up. And I just was like, what? Venture capital? <laughs> like deer in the headlights. Well, actually, unfortunately, I knew what it meant because I had been a fundraiser I was in one of my prior careers. And I used to have to go have meetings with these guys in venture capital. And I'll never forget like taking the train out to Greenwich, Connecticut. It's a very fancy town from where I live in the city and being made to wait like an hour and a half in the lobby, this big, beautiful, you know, 
tall windows, everything gorgeous and gold lobby. And finally, the assistant comes out to get me and she's like, you know, Dave, we'll see you now. And I follow her down the hall with her heels click, click, clicking. And I sit down across from this guy who doesn't even look up. He looks at his watch and he says, you have 11 minutes. Go. Go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Terrifying. And so I was like, those guys? <laughs> you want me to go pitch to those guys? And my initial thinking, Angela, was like, I don't speak their language. Uh-uh. They're going to ask me all these finance questions that I don't know the answers to. I built this business so I don't even have to spend time around people like that. <laughs> right? Right. So every bone in my body was like, I'm not doing it. Right? And I even said to him, like, well, what else, what else could I do? <laughs> But he was like, no, that's it. You need to raise capital and take this to the next level. And so I thought about it for a couple of weeks and it really kept me up at night because I was like, I really want to grow this business. And I know we're helping so many parents teach their kids a second language, but I'm scared and I don't know how to do this. And I finally decided that I wanted what was on the other side more than I wanted to stay in my comfort zone, right? I really did want to stay in my comfort zone, but I wanted to grow the business more. And to, you know, have opportunities for my family and frankly, to show other women it was possible, right? I was a women's studies minor. Like I've always been really interested in how do we move the needle for all women? So I spent 10 months learning how to raise venture capital, you know, watching every video, Shark Tank, talking to anybody who would sit down with me and tell me about their fundraising experience. And at the end of 10 months, I was ready and I went out and I had about 40 meetings And I got a lot of no's, but I got a few crucial yeses. And I raised my first million in that round. And then I raised another million, another million, and I wound up at six million. Wow. That's just incredible. And I mean, a lot of women that I talk to who go out and raise funds, they're like, you're going to get a whole lot of no's. And so you got to, you got to get real tough, like tough, thick skin. (laughs) That's where the mindset comes in, right? Yep. Yep. Before you're going to hear yes. And so, I mean, what do you think that people can do to increase the number of women entrepreneurs and people like, would you say the first step is for women to come to a mindset conference or like what? what Reading books was my first step. And that really helped to read the stories of women entrepreneurs who had made it and see what did they do? Because there's often something in there that you can replicate. You know, sometimes I would read these biographies of like Steve Jobs, right? And Mark Benioff of Salesforce. And it just felt too removed from my world. You know, that was part of why I wrote Million Dollar Women. I wanted to hear about women, not who were at the top of Mount Everest, right? Not Oprah and Martha Stewart and Sarah Blakely, but like, who's at Who's at like the base camp, right, of Mount Everest, which by the way is 18,000 feet up, right, and half the people don't make it there. So there there are actually millions of women right now making millions of dollars running viable, scalable companies, but we just don't know their stories. So those are the stories I told in Million Dollar Women. And I also have a chapter all about fundraising to teach all those things I had to spend 10 months learning so that more women can just read the book and decide, I'm going to do it. And I've had a lot of women contact me who are like, I didn't consider fundraising before I read your book. But now that I see what it entails, like, I think I can do that too. And that makes me really happy. That's amazing. So do people hire you just to help them prepare for fundraising or you're just like, read the book? (laughs) (laughs) Well, definitely read the book first. Yes. Um, But then, and actually I do have a free chapter on my website. So I have a whole chapter on delegating because one of the key things women need to learn to do is like get out of doing every single job in their company, Mm -hmm. but 
a lot of women struggle with that. So I have a free chapter about how to do that on my website. But no, most women come to me because they're making somewhere between 100,000 and 600,000 in revenues, and they really want to get to a million or more. And so it usually requires making some pretty big shifts in their company and in their mindset. And they know it's possible, but they don't know how to do it, or they want to do it faster. And they come to me and we either put them in our online coaching program called Million Dollar Women Masterclass, or in a few cases, I do one-on-one, although I don't do too, too much of that. Yeah. And so I know like on your podcast, Million Dollar Mind, and you interview successful entrepreneurs, like what is a million dollar mind? And like, how do you get one? So it's not about sort of making a million dollars quick or anything like that. It's the notion that, you know, if you foster best practices in your mindset, right, if you know how to quickly overcome obstacles, if you can reset and reframe situations when they don't go your way, then you have a powerful mindset. It's like building core strength at the gym, right? Do you ever go do that and like do the, do yep. the sit-ups and all that? Well, that's building core strength in your body. But you can also build core strength in your mind by learning some of these best practices that, you know, Olympic athletes use, that people who are leaders of, you know, international movements use. They do have training that the average person doesn't have. And I was fortunate enough to get a lot of that training. I've been on this kind of 15-year mindset journey in parallel with my business journey. I went to so many retreats and conferences and studied with masters. And so now I'm bringing all that into the business world where people can access it more easily through the podcast. And I have a book coming out in 2020 as well. Ooh, that's amazing. Thank you. I'm excited. And then you also host a annual summit for million dollar women. And so how do women, do they have to make a million dollars or can anybody that's interested and that's their goal? That's right. It's the second one. I mean, really, Million Dollar Women is for women who would like to have a big, successful business. And to be Got honest, it. they don't even have to want to make a million. It's, it's an aspirational placeholder mm-hmm. for a set of dreams, right? For some women, they come into our community, they're making 200000 they really want to make 500000 We help them do that. Now, most women do want to get to a million, but that's not sure. a requirement for coming in. That's and then, amazing. thank you. And then the summit grew out of our online business school because we'd been running it for about two years and the women started saying they wanted to meet in person. So we organized our first one a few years ago. We're now on our fourth annual Million Dollar Women Summit. So fun. 300 women, Microsoft Conference Center, New York City, April 23rd and 24th. You should come, Angela. Oh my gosh. I would love to. We'd love to have you there. It is so much amazing high energy of all these, you know, badass business women in one room. We bring in keynotes and we have breakout workshops about fundraising and branding and all those things. And uh, we also do a pitch competition where five women compete in front of judges and get their companies funded. Oh my gosh. And then you also have scholarships that- We do. That's the social venture part. Yeah. So circling back to, you know, the ethical culture background I mentioned early on. So we noticed after a couple of years that women of color entrepreneurs were approaching us a lot, but didn't have the funds to do our program. And we know from the stats that women in general, only 3% get to a million. But have you ever seen the stat for women of color entrepreneurs, Angela? Yeah, it's really- Yeah, it's less than 1%. It's crazy. And average revenues are 25 to 50,000 a year. Yep. So when we saw that, and we know it's the fastest growing segment of 
entrepreneurship, we decided, okay, we can play a part here. We already had yes. so many women of color in our community as mentors, as graduates. So now we've been raising funds every year so that we can provide scholarships and pay for half the fee for any woman of color who applies who meets certain criteria. In fact, we just raised $50,000 over the last couple of months. I'm so grateful wow. that you donated. That is amazing. So how do you, like knowing all that you know now, how do you manage your time now? Like I know you're, you're a mom, you have little Pim, you have this amazing network of women that you've built up. Like uh, how so do lucky. you manage your time? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one of the chapters of my book is called Become a Delegation Ninja. It is kind of one of my superpowers. I mean, I built it up over a long period of time, but I have been perfecting this for years. Like, how do you do everything you want to do, right? And still enjoy your life and not go crazy. And I did work with an efficiency coach for about three months early on when I was running Little Pim. I, I got to a place where I was just so burned out and exhausted and felt like pulled in way too many directions. And I looked at everything I was doing, you know, running my company, serving on boards, class parent, you know, wife, mother, sister, daughter, the whole thing. And I was like, all right, I either have to drop some of these things, not yeah. the mother part, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> maybe choice. <laughs> that one I was going to drop. But, you know, I was serving on nonprofit boards. I was class parent, right? I was like, either I have to drop some of these things or I have to get a whole lot better at managing my time. And so I decided the latter. And anyone who's read Million Dollar Women knows I've hired probably 10 different coaches. I'm all about the coaches. That's why I became a coach. My coach, my coaches helped me so much. And this efficiency coach got me set up to the place where every single thing that I do, I put through this filter of like, does this have to be me who does it? And we're talking personal and business. So that's really how I do it is, you know, I only do the things and, that I'm best at and that I like to do. And I think it's so like, I'm, I'm a control freak, not because I want to be, but because I, somebody's got to do it. But what I've learned in running a business and being surrounded by great coaches and mentors and just different educators really through EO, it's just been so awesome to be able to hire people that have a different mindset and they actually are better at it and they love it because that's the way yes. they're wired. And I know and the very thing you might hate doing, they might yes. love doing, right? Yes. And so it really, I, I went through something similar where it's like, write down everything you do in a day and what do you want to do and what is profitable for you and what can someone else do? And that was like, it changed my life. Like it changed. And then I learned how to calendar block and you know, all these great tools that really help you get a good snapshot of like, how the hell am I spending my time? And like, why am I saying yes to everything when I need to be saying no more than I'm saying yes? Because these things, not every project that comes our way is a good opportunity, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and there's always opportunity cost, right? When you say yes to something, it means you're saying no to something else. I love that quote of every great yes is defended by a thousand tiny no's. Yep. And that's sure how I see parenting, is. right? When I said yes to becoming a mom, you know, that meant there were going to be a lot of no's behind that. You know, no, I'm not going to brunch. No, I'm not going to every single person's birthday party. You know, no, I'm not going to take every trip I want to take because I want to be home with my kids. So if you're a mom, you've already had practice at that. But we don't always do it in our business or in other parts of our life. 
So that's, yeah, that's critical. Mission, mission critical, learning how to delegate. Yeah. And then I had a, um, somebody, a coach that was like, you know, you women, he's like, you have FOMO. And I'm like, what is that? I'm like over there Googling FOMO and, and I'm like, fear of missing out. I'm like, what did he mean by that? Or she? Well, it's, it's like a lot of, he was saying, how many of you in this room said yes, because you're afraid you're going to miss out on the next big thing. And how many actually want to be here because you thought that you were going to walk away with something valuable. So it's two different mindsets of just showing up at that party or showing up at that birthday party, because if your face isn't there, who else is going to step in and their face is going to be recognized because you're not there. I mean, very competitive. Well, and you're touching on something really important, which is networking. And I find that women are not in usually not intentional enough about their networking. And I actually have a free ebook on that too, on my website, because it was something I was teaching so much in my community. It's called power networking for female founders. And it talks about the three types of networks that you need, which are operational, strategic, and personal. So operational is like, I don't know how to get this thing done. And you have someone you can call and say, hey, I don't know, you know where to get the best rate on, on, on a car service, or I don't know where to get the best wedding cake, right? And someone else knows that. That's an operational network connection. Then there's the personal, right? Your friends, your family, people you hang out with. We need both of those. But the third is the one where a lot of women fall down, and that is strategic, your strategic mm-hmm. network. And that's where men tend to excel, right? They're joining these professional groups. They're trying to find mentors or ahead of where they are to pull them forward. And I find most women haven't really thought about who's in each of these networks. They haven't even thought about their network at all, right? They're just kind of saying yes to a bunch of things. So if you're listening and if you feel like you're not being as strategic as you'd like to be about how you spend your time, check out this free download. It's just a few pages called Power Networking for Female Founders on my website juliapimsler.com. I'm sure Angela will post the link. Yeah, uh, you can Google Million Dollar Women. It'll come right up and figure out, you know, who's in each of your three networks. When I did that, Angela, when I first learned it, I realized I had to spend more time around successful entrepreneurs because mm-hmm. I didn't have that strategic network. And it was not the most comfortable thing to do. Like I would have rather gone out for margaritas with my girlfriend. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's how you grow, right? Yeah. And I mean, just going into some of the um, organizations that have been outside of my industry and outside of my comfort zone, that's really what pushed my boundaries so that I could learn and grow from a different mindset. Oh, that's great. What was one thing you brought back to your business that you learned in like a different industry? I mean, honestly, like tech, going to all these different tech conferences, it's like, in the creative industry, yes, automation is great, but most people in the creative industry, because they are so creative, they don't understand using automation and using virtual reality and using some of these tech tools can actually free up your time to actually do more of what you want to do. And so it's like, they don't even want to look at it or dabble in it. And I'm like, oh, but you're making a big mistake because I was that way. And then in going and seeing all these demos and hearing people speak and sharing their experiences, I'm like, all right, we're going to give this a try and just see what happens. And so, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to change or you have to get rid of people. And so having an open mindset is really important too. I love that. That's a great example. Yes. And that's one of the reasons that when we run our programs for women scaling up, we put them with women in all different industries because you can often learn from people outside of your 
industry, right? What they're doing that could then make a big hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollar difference in your own business. Yeah. In fact, I don't actually participate that much in industry because a lot of people that we work with, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. They're not in Nashville. So I'm traveling all over the place and there's opportunities to go to different types of conferences just because I've put myself out there and I enjoy traveling. And so it's crazy if you put it out there and say it, like what the universe brings back to you is the opportunities you actually want. <laughs> so, so true. Well, it sounds like you are practicing the strategic operational and personal networking. I'm not surprised without even knowing the terms. That's amazing. But I can't wait to listen to your book. I'm super excited to, oh, to dive in and listen. That's amazing. I'm excited to get it done. It's been two years in the making and uh, very excited to share these mindset best practices with the, with the business world. And this one's going to be for everybody, not just for women. I love working with women, but mindset applies to everyone, as we well know. Yeah. So one last major question that I'll, I get sometimes is, you know, women ask me like, how do you get featured in these magazines and these blogs and these TV shows? And so do you have a publicist that you work with and would you recommend that? Or what's the best way for people if they're trying to do something, how can they strategically get the word out there? Well, I did work with a publicist when I was at Little Pim, my language teaching company, but it can be several thousand dollars a month. You know, we were VC backed, so we had that kind of budget. Now that I'm a coach and running a social venture, I don't feel like we really need to do that and we wouldn't have the budget for that. So we do it all in-house. We reach out to journalists. We track articles that we read that we really like. We reach out to those journalists and let them know what we're up to. Um, I do a lot of interviews. I say yes to a lot of you know, media just to stay kind of top of mind. I do a lot of speaking, but I know that when you, ha you know, haven't, haven't yet written a book or you're not yet getting that attention, that's all kind of easier said than done. So I would recommend watching a webinar about how journalists like to be approached. Um, okay. Entrepreneur has been getting some good information out there, you know, Entrepreneur Magazine, and they're actually okay. one of the speakers at our summit this year, specifically on how do you approach the press? because there is a right way and a wrong way. And if you do it the wrong way, you'll never ever get their attention. But if you do it the right way, there's every chance of getting, you know, a story written about you and your company that can make all the difference. That's amazing. And so everyone that's listening, we will put all the links in the show notes that Julia has shared with us. We'll put information about the conference. And listen, I'm going to tell you from like one young entrepreneur woman to another. It's like when I went into some of these events and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sur surrounded by all these people, um, you know, and they're up there telling their story and they're like, I've raised 30 and 40 and $50 million. And it can kind of be intimidating. Like, yes. oh my gosh, like I can't even fathom. I don't even know how many zeros that is, but that was, was not my experience. It's like, I've made this up in my head, but everyone has completely, like, again, the mindset welcomed us with like open arms and they're like, what's your goal? How do you want to get there? We can help you get there. And so if you're listening and you're like, I just don't want to be around a bunch of women who talk about money, it's, it's so much more. And the more money that I can drive, the more I can help other people. And it's just a tool. Absolutely. To yes. Next. 
place. Well, I love what you're doing to help creative women build their businesses and you're on such an incredible journey. So thanks for everything you're doing to move the needle for women entrepreneurs, Angela. It's awesome. And it was such a joy to be on your podcast. And I hope to hear from some of the women who are listening. We have a, also have a hundred free blogs about scaling up. So if you just want to get your feet wet, you can come check those out at uh, juliapimsler.com and they're all organized by category. So you can read about mindset, you can read about fundraising. That's a good place to, to get started. Or my YouTube channel where I have some short videos about these topics too. That's amazing. What is your favorite way platform for people to reach out to you if anybody wants to reach out? Oh, you know, I spend my, most of my social media time on Instagram. Okay. So, yeah, if you want to be my Instagram buddy, I will follow you right back. That's awesome. That <laughs> yeah, DM me on, me on there. I always love to hear from people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your inspiration and intuition and time oh, today. Thank Thanks for having me. And to everybody listening, stay brave and go big. That's right. And everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Business Unveiled. Be sure to tune in next week so you don't miss any of the juicy details on how to grow your business. Have a great day. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders. And be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. And you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask, and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, tag me at gsdleader underscore, and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit angelaprofit.com.